Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. All right, well, I want to continue on with what God has uh, uh, laid on our hearts this year on Wednesday nights for a season, not all year, but for a season on talking about faith heroes, heroes of the faith. I, I just think it's important that we, as we look at Scripture, we dive in. And we've never done this before. In fact, uh, I have never taught on Isaac, and that's who I'm talking on tonight. So uh, I've, just, I, I've talked about Ishmael a lot, and I'm going to talk about him a little bit tonight. Uh, because in all of life, you've got to know that the symbolicness of what Ishmael represented and what Isaac represented, and we're going to get into that, but, but I think a lot of times we just don't study this enough to really know what God was doing and teaching us in the Old Testament for how we can live life today. And so uh, God's promises, uh, I just, His promises, we can see fulfillment as we read the Scripture, but what a great song that we just sang. The evidence of His promises should be in the lives of His people today. And so I want to make sure we don't just read this as a history lesson, but we make the application of how the promises of God are so real and make an impact in our lives. Uh, God's promise was fulfilled when Abraham was 100 years old. The last two weeks, we've talked about Abraham and Sarah. And if you missed any of that, or the last three weeks, I should say, and if you missed any of that, that's all available on podcast. But Abraham 100 and his wife 90 and Sarah gave birth to a son. And Abraham called him Isaac, circumcised him on the eighth day, making him a party to the holy covenant that God has established with Abraham. So you've got to know as we study Abraham and then his son Isaac and then his son Jacob, that is mentioned all through scripture. You hear those names, Abraham, Isaac, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. You, you hear that. I, I've went down several times to Branson and watched uh, what sight and sound. Have you all seen any of that? What they've put on down there. Every one of them has the name of God mentioned by illustrating him through the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Every one of their, their portrayals that they have of Scripture always mention that. And so I'm always listening for that. Now, I haven't seen Esther yet, but that's what's going on down there now. And I want to encourage you. Uh, I know it's going to be great. So tonight I want to talk about Isaac. But before I do, Isaac was not Abraham's firstborn. 13, 14 years before that, Ishmael was born. And it's because Sarah and Abraham were trying to have a, a baby and she was considered barren. And so they got with Hagar, the maidservant, and okay, well, Abraham's going to have a lineage. And so he um, has a child with Hagar. And he, he was, Ishmael really didn't grow up the way Abraham was hoping. I mean, he had all these grandiose dreams about how Ishmael obviously is my firstborn. He's going to follow into what God's promises are, and this is what's going to happen. And as we already talked about with Abraham, so many religions of the world look to Abraham as still a central figure of their faith, if you will, or of their 
their religion. Ishmael, he was considered over time to be wicked. Abraham, I mean, he would watch this boy, and as you read scripture, you can kind of get a picture of it. He would watch Ishmael, and and Ishmael even prayed to idols when he thought he was being unobserved. So, So many things about his life. Sarah watched this boy, which was not her biological son, and realized that he was going to have a bad influence after Isaac was born. See, Isaac gets born, and, they're wa- and, and Sarah's watching Ishmael and going, ooh, I don't want him around my boy. Well, can you imagine the situation? I think we can because we all know kids. We don't want to want around our kids. So we've had that happen in our life. And this is in the same house. In fact, it's her husband's son. I mean, I just, I think this through, and I go, okay. So Sarah comes up and says, he needs to go. And so does mama. And and she tells Abraham to send Ishmael away. And Abraham understood the motives of his wife's request, but he, he was really concerned to send his son away to a place where he might become worse than he is. I don't know that I want him going there because he'll become even worse. And But God tells Abraham to do as Sarah had requested, and Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael away and provided them with water and food for the journey. Now, Abraham has Isaac there, and Isaac, as you move forward into his life, there's so many neat parts, and I've just kind of given some background, some history, even though it's not a history lesson, it's interesting to me, that he marries later on Rebecca, and, and, and as you study all of this, I mean, Rebecca is his first cousin once removed. It's the granddaughter of his father Abraham's brother, Nahor, and I, I sit there and I think, okay, this is weird, but there was a lot of choices back then, and I mean, they didn't have the internet. So, I'm I'm digressing. They they had Jacob and they had Esau. And Jacob is next week, so I've got to not get into all of this. Before before I get into all this, though, I want to give a symbolic understanding to Ishmael and Isaac and what their lives set in motion. In Genesis chapter 21, verse 18, go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. This is what God told Hagar to go to Ishmael when they're leaving and tell him, I'm going to make a great nation from him. Now, in Genesis 25, verse 13, in verse 18, it says, they lived in open hostility toward all of their relatives. This was what Ishmael produced. He produced a really bad future, if you will. He had 12 sons. Now, as we look at what, as we follow the life of Jacob then and his 12, you you follow that God had a standing that was set in order for the tribes. Now, I can't get into all of this tonight, but what we read is the tribes of God's children coming from the line of Jacob, which is Isaac's son, 
Also, from Isaac's son Ishmael, there is a lineage. And God also made a promise that I will make them a great nation. Now, you read both of this and you go, what was God doing here? Well, I think he was setting something up. And Paul really talks about this. And we've got to study this before we get into Isaac. Galatians chapter 4, verse 24. It says, these two women, Hagar and Sarah, serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. Wow, really big deal here. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman, and she is our mother. And Isaiah said, Rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. But what do the Scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. See, the New Testament explains all of this. And so many don't look at the New Testament to get the explanation of what took place back then. That's why we have all these religions that don't really understand the other side of it because they don't see the New Testament as relevant. Now, Paul's telling us here that the record of Hagar And Ishmael is an allegory. That's what's being said here. Hagar and Sarah represent two covenants. The Jewish covenant and the Christian covenant. Now, Hagar represents the law and Ishmael because he was born of the bondwoman. And and it represents those who are under the law. Now, Isaac, because of his supernatural birth... God said, at 100 years old, Sarah at 90, you're going to do something supernatural. So there's a supernatural birth that Isaac represents, and it represents us, those that are born anew spiritually, supernaturally. So, Mohammed is from the Ishmael lineage. The Muslim Arabs claim descent from Ishmael. Ishmael's mother and wife were Egyptian. They were not pure Hebrew. And so the Lord said that Ishmael, his name even means wild man. So we, we have now from Sarah sending Hagar and Ishmael out a strife that has been going on for ages. You'll never go to the Middle East that you won't see the strife that was originated from a sending out of Ishmael. They sent him out. 
Now, a lot of scholars will say it's Sarah's fault or Sarai's fault, and then Sarah made things right. I don't have a clue of how it all happened. I just know what it represents. And I don't know if it was that or if it was the idea of in the process of these two brothers that one was not the promised one. And so I I, I just know that God's promises are fulfilled and I don't always have the how-tos of the whys of the way it came together. Isaac was the son who set the covenant in motion. Let's talk about that. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17 verse 10. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. And so everyone in Abraham's family was circumcised, including Ishmael. I've just got to throw that out. He was, everybody was. Genesis 21, 4, this is four chapters later, 13 years later, 14 years, 13, 14 years. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. So this set up Isaac for the start of his life. Now, what is so special about Isaac? Because as we study this man, and he is mentioned in Hebrews 11, he's a hero of the faith, he's mentioned in countless references, the God, I mean, referring to as that the Jehovah God was his God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Every time you hear that referenced in Scripture, that's not a lie that was looked at as Isaac saw God as his Faith, what his faith was in. He saw God correctly. So Isaac's life has a couple of really major points. And, and, and I, I got to talk about the one because it's just amazing to me. The way the scholars will put this all together, he was somewhere between the age of 18 and 25, that he went to be sacrificed by Abraham. So Abraham and Isaac, Abraham and, and Isaac, are headed up the mountain with his father. I mean, Isaac and his dad going up the mountain. And in Genesis 22, verse 6, it says, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. I was reading all these reasons why scholars believe he was this age. They, they do a lot of calculations. They use Sarah and his mom and some of the things that she was referenced in that same time period. They also, but the biggest reference is that his dad put the wood for the offering on his back. Well, I just think that that probably wouldn't work with my grandson Lane. Lane, here, carry all this. You know, that's just, there's a lot of wood that would have to be brought up for an offering to burn something. So I'm thinking, and the scholars think, that this had to be someone who was pretty old. And some of the ancient writings refer that he was 25. Uh, We're going to say somewhere between 18 and 25. Well, you say, why is this so important? Because if he was strong enough to carry the wood up the mountain, he was probably strong enough to tell Isaac's dad, Abraham, don't touch me. Now, I just want you to think about this. At 25 years of age, and dad's 100, well, no, Dad would be 125 at this point. 
So dad's 125, son's 25. I know why son's carrying the wood. I'm 50 and my son-in-law's carry. Whatever I'm in need of. Here, y'all pick this up. I mean, Chapman is all the time around me and I'm like, here, pick this up. And I'm only 50. At 125, I'm telling you, somebody else is carrying the wood. So this is what I believe was going on there. The son's carrying the wood. He's big enough to do it. And he gets up the mountain. Come on, Matt. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Carry this. There comes a time. I've got to go on. Isaac is carrying the wood up the mountain. And he gets up there. And then he asks his dad, okay, where's the sacrifice? I just don't think that Abraham at that age would have been able to grab him in hog time and put him up on there. He did that willingly. The son willingly said, Dad, if this is what needs to happen, I'm, I'm there. Which gives me a lot of respect for the way Abraham raised him and Sarah. It also gives me a lot of respect for a son at 20 to 25 years of age when most of our society at 20 to 25 is in rebellion. He's doing it right. Just some things that I like to point out. Isaac lived a long life. He lived to be 180 years old. But he really gets very, a very small amount of attention based on the other patriarchs. And so when I put his name down, I put his name down that we were going to talk about him tonight because of his mention between Abraham and Jacob. There's so much talk about between them two. But you start looking up everything about Isaac and you're like, okay, the last 50 years of his life he was blind or almost blind. He could barely see. And I, I just, Genesis really reveals more of his failures than his successes, yet he's still called a man of faith and shows up in Hebrews 11. Is that cool? I mean, it gives me a little bit of hope. Because a lot of times we look at our lives and we go, man, failure. Well, once again, Abraham was 75, 80 before we really see him going out and doing anything. And here's Isaac doing the right thing his whole life, and he's just living right. However, he does mess up. Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. A severe famine now struck the land, and as it happened before in Abraham's time, Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I'll be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I'll cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. I'm going to give them all these lands, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. And right after that, right after that, if we were to keep reading, he lied and said the same thing that his dad said, that his wife was his sister. Now, I, I read that and I go, okay, like father, like son. Why would you do that? And then he gets caught because he gets seen out there kissing on her. And he gets called in by the king and said, why'd you lie to me? And he said, well, I was afraid if I told you she's so pretty, somebody'd take her. He said, well, if someone took her and then slept with her, you would have brought sin on our nation. 
This was a bad choice. And then he made a decree that went out all before the land, king of Amalek. And he said, here, here, nobody touch Isaac or his wife. Now, I just want to throw that out there because it's just interesting that you read that Abraham, listen to me, obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. While you and I and them are wanting to follow all the decrees, all the commands, all the instructions, you still mess up. But God, in his love for you because of your love for him, and we've been talking about that on Sundays, still makes a way of escape for him and says, hey, you're in the right standing, and I want you to know I love you. And God verified the same promise for him as he did with Abraham. He says there in verse 3 of Genesis 26, he says, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to bless you. That's our promise, church. We've got to know that. I'll be with you, and I'm going to bless you. Even though his first test of faith, he lied about his wife. But still, there was a blessing coming for Isaac. He became very wealthy. His wife, Rebecca. Just like his mom, it was once said, was barren. But you know what? Isaac knew what had happened because he was born. He started praying and believing God, and God answered him and gave him a son. And so you just watch some symbolisms that we watch from generation to generation. In Genesis 27, Isaac's kids, Jacob and Esau, Isaac favored Esau. And if it had been up to Isaac, the blessing would have went to Esau. Now, twins are born. Isaac comes out first. Jacob means grabbing the heel. I'm getting into your topic next week. Okay. But as you study this, it's just kind of amazing to me because all of a sudden, it was like Jacob's like, no, I'm supposed to be first, even in the womb. And Esau comes out, and, and, and Isaac favors Esau. And if it had been up to Isaac, the blessing would have went to Esau, but Mom and Jacob tricked them and got the birthright, and they didn't get it by faith, but yet we still look at what was going on, and the lineage of Jesus still comes through Jacob. I just sit there and I watch. All these guys really mess up, and that gives me a lot of hope. I mean, I hate that they did, but we tend to take certain little sins, and we say that disqualifies you from a life of serving God. And I'm just telling you, these were pretty major. Some major deals going on here. I, I want to read where Isaac finally accepted God's promise fully. In Genesis 28, verse 1, Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, and said, You must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, go at once to Paddan Aram to the house of your grandfather Bethuel and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters. May God Almighty bless you and give you many children, and may your descendants multiply and become many nations. May God pass on to you and your descendant the blessing he promised to Abraham. May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. I like that, and I like reading that, because as I read Isaac's blessing that he gave to his son, he finally came to his senses and said, okay, may God's plan come to fulfillment through my son Jacob. Now, I'm going to give you just a couple of quick points. Just with everything, the whole story, we just gave you a quick story of his life in a few chapters. 
But there's some things that you need to know from Isaac's life. Number one, he was obedient to the promise of God. And he learned that from his parents. Let me just tell you this about Isaac. He was a good kid. You want to find a good kid, and you want to find an example of that in Scripture, Isaac is that. He listened to his dad about going wherever dad said, let's go. And doing whatever, God, whatever dad said that God said to do. He even listened to dad. Now listen to this. This is really amazing to me. We just read that. He even listened to dad about where to go get your wife. Parents, wouldn't it be nice if our kids would listen to us when we said, you need to find your wife in church. You need to find your wife in the right place. You, you need to find your wife based on what God has revealed to me. See, that's just important. We started talking to our kids about where to find their husband years before they were even able to date. I just think it's really important, and I look out, and I'm grateful for some of the relationships that I see here, and I know your story is very similar. But what happens is, is we have a rebellion going on in our world where nobody wants to listen to what mom and dad has to say about where to find their mate. But this boy did. A good story to talk to your kids about if your parents with kids still in the house, where to get your wife. When Isaac was seeking a wife, it was his dad who commanded that Isaac has got to look for his wife in Abraham's homeland. Now, I think that's so important because as we're of the lineage of Jesus that came through these men, what has God set up as our homeland? The church. He said, go find your kids in the homeland. Go find them with my people. That's what he said. And I just thought that, well, we could avoid a lot of problems with our kids if they just get this part of this story. He strictly instructed his servant to never take a wife for Isaac among the daughters of the Canaanites. Now, just a big point here. Here's the second point that I want to give you. He learned in the end not to play favoritism. It obviously was a problem and it didn't work. Just follow God. He knew the promise for Isaac's life. I mean, God had given him the name of Isaac before he was even born. Here's what you're going to name him. And there's just a few in Scripture where God did that. But he did that with Isaac. And so he learned, I, I, I can't play favoritism with my kids. I need to do what God has said my kids were to do. And I need to empower them, equip them, and encourage them to be what God has called them to be. Here's the third point. Be submissive to the will of God. Even when he realized he was going to be the sacrifice for his dad, he still allowed dad to do what was needed. Now, I just wrote a line because it was kind of as I was praying about how to communicate that, I thought I could sum that up in one sentence. His trust in his father was bigger than his fear of death. I just can't say it any that that's just what God just spoke just plain as his trust in his father was bigger than his fear of death. That's why he didn't run when he said I'd be this I and I want to tell you that I believe it's because his dad had a trust in his heaven heavenly father. Had a trust in God. Dads, you gotta get something from this story. You got to have your kids seeing that your trust is in the Lord 
And then they can have trust in you. It's a big, big deal. The last one, he was a peacemaker. So I got to tell this part of the story. Genesis 26, Isaac opened up a bunch of wells that his dad had dug. And so when he came back into the land, he came back into the land of Canaan, Abraham and his servants had built all these wells. And, and it goes on to say in, in chapter 26, and I'm not going to read it all because, in the sake of time, but it goes on to say that, that he, was, he was like increasing in wealth, Isaac was. His herds and his flocks were growing and growing. Well, anybody that's a farmer knows you can't grow herds and you can't grow, grow these without a water supply. So he'd opened up all these water supplies. Well, the Philistines were getting a little jealous of him. They were getting frustrated because Isaac was flourishing, man. I mean, I'm talking about everything's going well for him, and the Philistines are mad about this. So they come in, and, and, and they fill in his wells. Any farmer, that's fighting stuff. Now, you don't do that to someone's wells. But you know what he did? He was known as a gentleman and known as a peacemaker. And he just went off and went to the next well. He kept naming them. He, he named one of them frustration. He named one of them uh, 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 argumentative or something. I mean, it's the word that, that there was an argument took place. Well, let's name the well argument. I just think it's kind of cool because as you read what they were doing is they were, it was each well, this is what happened here. So we just call it this. Now let's just go on. And he went on and he kept moving. And every time he was attacked, I don't see that he was running. He was just looking for the next blessing of the promise. Yeah. If God had said, turn around and fight, he'd have turned around and fought. But God had promises for him, and he knew the land was his. So he just go to the next well. Well, then it goes on to say he started digging his own, started digging. He had his men start digging. God took care of him, and what I want you to see about this whole story, everybody else is jealous of God's blessing, and Isaac just let them not mess with him. When you get attacked, don't give power to the enemy. Don't give power to him. Now, I'm not saying all the time we run. At certain times, we turn around and fight. We do what God says. But what I'm telling you is he didn't give them power. It didn't ruin his life. It just increased it. Oh, this well's not working. They just filled this one in. Lord bless y'all. You could have had that for yourself, by the way. <laughs> just go digging again. Next well, next well, and it just kept going and going. And Isaac kept abandoning them and producing peace in the region. And he was seen as a peacemaker. That's the whole, that's the last point I want to give you. He was a peacemaker. Isaac's life may not be as exciting and powerful as his father, but when you really break down and study this, I think it was super powerful. It kind of reminds me of the testimony of this kid over here who was on drugs and blah, 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 and God came in and miraculously saved him. And then you got this other kid who was just raised in the father's house, just raised doing the right thing. And over life, the bountiful blessing had time to make it to a place that this guy's testimony is not any better than this one. 
How wonderful to have a testimony as I was raised in church, I got saved in church, my family's in church, found my spouse in church. I just did what God called me to do. I became a peacemaker. Everybody looked at me and said, wow, this guy's blessed. I need to follow the God that that guy follows. And that's why you read in Scripture later the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.